It is absolutely in Ipswich. It's in Ipswich, yeah. yeah. I was born in Redcliffe and I go, I go to Ipswich to visit you. Um, Matt's uh, an incredible leader everywhere he goes. He just methodically and lovingly and kindly builds into the people. And I've just, I don't know, it's an incredible privilege to uh, have seen what he's done in the communities where he's just loved people and built them up and just slowly moved things forward. And everywhere you've gone, it's just growing. And unbelievers have come to faith and and. People got excited about their faith again. It's an exciting thing to see. Um, I'm especially excited for Matt because he's just excellent with people. He's by far, I was talking to someone yesterday about Matt and they just said he's just super kind and polite and nice to everyone he meets, which I just think is awesome. That's like a great rap. Man, you know? you're setting me up. I was really going to slam it this morning, but now I've got to be <laughs> so, nice. And, anyway, okay, we'll so see. can we um, can we welcome Matt today? So thank you. Great. I'm going to grab this. And uh, Mark said I could stand down the front. He also told you that I spit because obviously no one's sitting in the first few rows. Uh, That's okay. Um, I can spit three rows. Um, I I do welcome, uh, I'm feeling welcomed and I want to give a welcome from Kruger Parade Baptist Church uh, down in, in sunny Ipswich, hotter in summer than anywhere else and colder in winter. But the plus side for us is we do politics well, right? Like if you watch the news, politicians in Ipswich, um, are, it's one of the highlights that we have. So, um, but I do bring a welcome. Uh, for, for myself, a bit of background about me, as Mark said. Yeah, I've been a pastor for a while, uh, pastor at Kruger Pray Baptist. But talking about relationships, I probably need to give you a little bit of, of you know, I need to stand up with a little credibility. So uh, this is my family, my beautiful family. This was our, our Mother's Day photo last weekend. And so I have three kids, Michaela, Leah, and Simeon. I'm the coach of my son, Simeon's under-10s rugby league team. That probably doesn't give me any credibility for the relationship series. And uh, he lost 10-1 yesterday, even less credibility as a coach. So, uh, But probably what does give me a little credibility is that I'm the husband of my beautiful wife, Kirsten. Uh, We've been married for 20 years now. So that gives me hopefully a little credibility. Perhaps some of you are going, man, we've been married 40 years, 20 years. You're You're still a youngster. Okay. I'll take that. But as we look at our relationships, one of the things that I have found in 20 years of being married and living with uh, someone of the opposite sex is that men and women are very different. Can I get an amen? All right. Okay. If that's all you learned today, you've probably learned something very important for your life. Men and women are different. Why then did God make the genders so different? Was it some sort of ploy? Is he laughing at us? Is he standing up there going, oh, I I just wanted to confuse you guys to mix you up together? Or is there something else in it? Is there something in the heart of God that wants us to understand some of these differences, work out how we can actually relate to each other and be with each other? And and is there something in the heart of God that He wants us to grow through looking at the differences in our genders that we might be able to become better as individuals because of the other people that we do life with? Now, I'm going to say some fairly big generalizations today. So if you kind of go, oh, that's not me, and you get upset by that, well, that's what Mark's here for. You go and have a chat to him about how upset you are. But forgive me for my generalizations, but I think they do speak into some of the things that are true about the differences in genders. So imagine it's the 
10th of January, uh, the, the wife gets onto the scales and she realizes she's six kilos heavier after all of the Christmas puddings and Pavlov's New Year's party. She runs out to her husband and says, I can't believe it. I put on six kilos. It's your family's lunch, you know, all that gravy, all the chicken, all the bacon. I can't believe it. I'm so ugly and fat. And he just like looks, stares. He doesn't know what to do or what to say. But he's a loving Christian husband. So he scratches his head and thinks about the situation. The next day, he's going through the, the shops and, and he sees a bookstore. Number one on the, you know, the top 10 list of books that week is this book that he sees. And it's like The Ultimate Diet Revolution. He sees that and he reads, wow, you can lose seven kilos in one month. This is perfect. He buys the book and he goes home and he gives a book to his wife. For a few seconds, he's feeling like he's done something great. He feels as though he is the best husband ever until she goes ballistic. What are you doing giving the, do you think I'm fat? You think I'm fat, don't you? Oh, I can't believe it. Now you're giving me a book about this. Oh, I'm so offended. And she storms off. What's he done wrong? It makes sense. She had this issue yesterday. It was six kilos she's put on. This book's offering to take off seven. That's a, a plus one advantage. This is going well, but what has happened? There's something in her, the way she's reading the situation that's very different from the way that he is intending things to go. There's a vulnerability in her when she's interacting with someone of the opposite sex that he doesn't get. Because if he's put on 26 kilos, he stands in front of the mirror and what does he do? He doesn't look and go, oh man, I'm so fat and ugly. He looks in the mirror, sucks in his gut, flexes his muscles and says, yep, I've still got it. Yeah, men, you do that, right? But if one of her friends came to her with the, the diet revolution, walks into the house, she would look at her friends and say, oh, wow, I've heard about that book. Oh, that's great. Are you going to do that? Oh, if you do that, I'll do that. Oh, this is really good. We'll do it together. Why is it so different, the gap between men and women? Why is it that men and women see different things and hear different things and react in such conflicting ways? Well, in his book, Love and Respect, Dr. Emerson Egricks says, When the issue isn't the real issue, it's crucial to understand that one thing is going on in the spirit of the wife and an entirely different thing is going on in the spirit of the husband. The way I like to picture the difference between men and women is that women look at the world through pink sunglasses that color all she sees. The man, however, looks at the world through blue sunglasses that color all he sees. Men and women can look at precisely the same situation and see life much differently. Inevitably, their pink and blue lenses cause their interpretation of things to be at odds to some degree. Men and women are different. 
it's as though God has designed us to have these differences, to see life through a different lens or to hear things through different earphones. We see and hear in very different ways. And so we have to come to this and say, well, how do we live with this species that are called women that look so attractive to us but that seem so different? How do we overcome these differences? How do we work through them? And how did God put this all together for our good? And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not in a relationship. I don't have a significant other. I'm not married. So, so I can just shut off and turn off. Maybe I'll skip this relationship series. Well, can I encourage you to kind of pull back from that thinking and instead engage? Because there are people who you'll go through life with who have blue glasses on or who are listening with pink hearing aids. There are people that you'll be interacting with, whether it is at, at work or in family or in friendship groups, who you'll interact with, and this will help you to understand more of the things that God has put onto their heart. And the greater thing with this, like if you're not engaged in a relationship and, and, and perhaps maybe will, will, will remain single in your life, how do you interact with these differences? How, how do you find someone who will fulfill the blue that you don't have in your life or the, the pink that you know will kind of complete you in some way? Well, the great thing about having a relationship with God is that we have in God a, a friend, a father, a brother, one who we can do life with. And as we grow in that relationship with Jesus, it's absolutely Jesus came as a man. But God is neither male nor female in the sense that we think about male and females. He has the beauty of holding both of those qualities in one. He is the complete one. And when we look at God with this pink and this blue kind of melding into one, what does pink and blue coming together give us? It gives us the color purple, which is the color of royalty. And so when we look at God and our relationship or in our singleness, we, we see the one who can complete those parts of us that we lack by not having an earthly mate with us. God can fill in those gaps. God can work with us and highlight and work through those differences, those difficulties that we might be overcoming or we might be facing. So, so even if you're not in a relationship, there's information, there's things that you can learn through this today. Now, imagine the, the other side of this discussion. The, the man, um, the, the woman, she goes to the shop the next day and she sees in the bookstore uh, number two on the list. Number two on the list is a book that is called Heal Your Marriage. And she sees that and subline is and nurture lasting love. And she sees that and goes, oh, this looks, she flicks through the pages, she realizes this book would be perfect for our marriage. This would be great. I'm going to get this for my husband because the other two marriage books I've given him this year, he hasn't read. So this one surely is going to be the right one for us. And, and knowing that he's not a great reader, obviously, because he hasn't read those other two, she helpfully goes through and highlights all the sections she thinks will be really useful for him to read. And she takes it and she puts it underneath his remote control, right next to the chair that he likes to sit in when he comes home from work to watch some TV. What do you think is going to happen? He comes home, sits in his couch, looks down at his blue thing, his remote, and underneath it, there's a pink thing. 
a book on marriage. And what does he think? Oh, man, another marriage. This is the third one this year. I can't believe this. What is wrong with our marriage? I need to keep reading books about it. I thought that we were going fine, but now we've got another marriage book. So obviously it's not going fine. Things are going terrible. Oh, I can't believe this. It's so, oh, and she's highlighted bits. That's even worse. I hate that. And so he gets that book and he puts it underneath the chair. And then when she goes looking for it, she's noticed it's moved from underneath the remote. Oh, he's reading it. This is great. Searches the house, finally finds it underneath the chair. What? What's he put it under there for? I can't believe it. Why would he do that? I'm so angry. What's happening? Why is there such a disconnect with their relationship? Why is there a disconnect with this marriage book? Well, He's seeing it, and he's not seeing how helpful it could be. He's seeing it as an affront to his manliness. He feels as though his feelings are fine on the inside. He doesn't want to let them all out. She wants to hear his heart. She wants to hear what he's feeling. He feels disrespected by this this third effort to try to do something in their marriage. She sees it as being a loving thing to help their relationship. What's happening can be explained in the book of Ephesians, right at the end of a passage that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus on how husbands and wives should deal with each other. And right at the end of this passage on marriage, that can be your homework for this week, read the rest of it from from kind of verse 21 onwards. But in, in verse 33, he says, Each one of you also, and this is talking about husbands, each one of you husbands must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Paul writing 2,000 years ago is speaking to a group of people and he's saying, husbands, you've got to love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Now, Paul isn't saying Wives, you don't have to love your husbands. Husbands, don't even bother loving your wives. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is there is a natural tendency. There is an inbuilt response of men to show respect and an inbuilt response of women to love. You see, men, we we are kind of born, we're given this kind of high level of honor that we want to see in things. We, we want to see if someone who is hurt, we want to somehow fight for them to be found, for, for their plight to be fixed. That's why we love action movies when the, the goody beats the baddie who's been hurting the person who's you know, in a really difficult situation. They've been held under the foot of the baddie and the goody comes along. Everyone goes and watches the Avengers movie because good triumphs over evil. We love that kind of stuff. And, and, and if you've got a, you know, kids, for me, I had two daughters and then a son. Uh, I tried to wrestle and tackle my girls a lot. That, that really didn't work great as a play kind of tactic technique. My son comes along. I can't stop him from tackling me. I'm like, just leave me alone for a minute. And he's off wrestling. He just Boys are just different. They see a stick and it's a gun. They, they want to roll everything around. It's a car. And, and so men just have this sense of wanting to be honorable, kind of living in that, that code of honor. 
We have a great deal of worth that we get out of the things that we do. That's why God in Genesis 2 put Adam to work in the garden so he could work. We have a high value on work and the things we do for other people. A part of that then comes out that we like to fix things. That doesn't always work well for us in relationships, but we have fixes. We see a problem. We see a solution. We put the two together. That's who we are and what we love to do. We're also providers for our family. We work so that we can provide and look after our family. We want to care for them and show them that way. And we express appreciation and worth by respecting other people. We show respect, and that's the kind of the highest form of our natural outworking of appreciation, love, goodness. We say, wow, I really respect. I think that person is thought of in high regard. We really think that we should look up to that person. We respect them. Women, on the other hand, are kind of designed differently. They're much more designed to be communal people, to hang out, to to have deeper links and bonds in families, to to talk with their family all the time. This is a key thing for my wife and I when we first got married. She'd always call her mum. I'm like, why are you calling your mum all the time? Can't you talk to me? But, But she wanted that relational connection way more. Women also have a higher word count per average. And so I learned quickly that it was a good thing for her to call her mum. She could use a lot of that word count in the day, which meant we could be more normal in our relationship. Women like to travel together in community, in social circles. That's why they even go to the toilet together. There's a communal aspect to it. They love nurturing. There's something that flicks in the brain, the mind, the persona of a woman when she has a baby, this helpless thing that she needs to look after and care for and can handle the smells way better than men can. They can handle the sleep deprivation into the night, the use of their bodies way more than we men can. They're also more nurturing in that sense and love the sense of having a house, uh, somewhere to, to be secure, somewhere to hold on to, to live in. And so their house becomes somewhere of safety and security for them. So, so we can see um, women's then emotively are, are far more connected than men are. They They swim in the pool of emotions. They're happy to kind of live there and talk about emotions openly, whereas men kind of drown when too much emotion comes in. We just can't handle it. We like to keep it on the inside a lot more. And so in the midst of this, one of the emotions that then comes out that's natural for a woman is love. And so we see women loving as a natural outflow of who God has commanded them to be or God has designed them to be. They're loving. And so when they're in a relationship, women will naturally love and men will naturally respect. And so Paul, looking at these gender differences, says, men, love your wives. Women, respect your husbands because the things that will divide us both the most are the issues of love and respect. 
Now, the interesting thing in our society today, especially in our culture over these past probably 20 years, is this real call for, well, you can't tell me what to do, or you can't kind of, I'm going to go 50%. I've given enough in our relationship. I'm not going to change until he starts to love me. Or I've given so much in this relationship that I'm not going to, she's disrespected me, so I'm not going to do any more. I'm going to hit that level, that halfway point, and I'm not going to step a step further. That's so often what we kind of hear when we're talking about relationships or when I'm speaking to a couple about uh, their their relationship. Oftentimes it's not said, I've gone 50%, I want him to come 50% at least or I'm not moving. But it is that sense of, um, I've come so far and I don't think I need to go any further. He's got to catch up. Or I've done so much in this relationship, I've given so much, she's got to be the one now to react. And why I want to kind of pull caution to that, why I want to highlight that as being something that's really important for us to process through, is that as Christians, isn't it true that our greatest relationship we have is our relationship with the one who went 100% for us? We just celebrated that in communion, where Jesus went to the cross and died in our place. He did that for us. He's our example. That's why we even call ourselves Christ ones. We're Christians because we say we want to give our allegiance, our honor, our worship, our love, our respect to Jesus, to God for all he's done for us. So then in relationships, surely those of us who have that relationship of forgiveness and grace given to us by God, should then reflect that in the way that we do our relationships on a horizontal, on an earthly level. With the, the one that we said we'd be with and we'd give everything to for the rest of our lives, but, but also with other relationships we have in life. Shouldn't we go the extra mile because of the God who's gone the extra mile for us? The other side to this is that is written in the book of First um, Peter, He speaks about this area of respect, and it's an interesting one for those who are married to or connected with someone who doesn't yet believe in Jesus. 1 Peter uh, 3, 1 and 2 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Isn't that interesting that the one Peter who would say that, that if there isn't kind of a, a vertical relationship yet with your husband, but you could turn this around and talk about wives as well, there's not that vertical relationship, that there'll be something in the way that your character is, in the way that you live, and interesting, in the way that you respect your husband, that will help him to start thinking, maybe there's Maybe there is something in this Christianity thing. Maybe there is some part to my relationship with God that I need to explore further. Maybe, perhaps, there is something that I need to look into deeper because of the character and the conduct of my wife. It's an interesting thing to think through. Now, in a relationship we're going to have different times where where you'll have things that you don't always agree upon. 
that there'll be different times where you'll be clashing with your spouse, where, where you'll see things and go, I disagree, I want it this way, he said, she said. And oftentimes, it'll be the, the woman who'll want to confront to communicate because she's social. She wants to be there in that space and talk things through. And, and he might kind of step back from that and feel as though, whoa, there's too much emotion going on here. That's too difficult for me. I want to retreat back and I want to say, no, I I don't want this because I'm feeling disrespected because she's bringing up things uh, that I've done that I'm hurt in. And so can I encourage you, when we look at these areas of love and respect, when you're going into discussions as a couple, when you work through things, women head away from generalizations of you always and start speaking specifics, because we men love to deal in the specifics. The, the, we can work on, on little things, but when you give us big things, it can be just too much for us to handle. It can just be too big for us to, to get our heads around. You see, the, the woman, when, when she put a book uh, there, that marriage book, again, the third one that she'd given, he looked at that and he saw that as an affront to his character uh, of who he was. There, was. there was not one thing to fix. There was a whole myriad of things. There was emotions that he had to bring up that he didn't want to bring up. And, and so in the same way, when you confront, make sure that you do it in a way that is not just loving, but respectful. And, and men, when you're confronted, when there is opportunities for you to discuss relationships, that oftentimes where men will go is to retreat back to the things that they've found respect in, their, their work. And if she says that you should be coming home early, it's like, yeah, but, but I'm doing what I naturally should be doing. I'm providing for our family. I'm a worker. I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. And we need to make sure that we step into these relational areas and, and start to bring out these emotions, start to speak about these things that we have that we do need to work on, we, we do need to develop. Because ultimately it comes back to each one of you must, each husband must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. It comes back to this verse that says, she needs your love. He needs your respect. When he's listening with his blue earphones on, he needs to hear that you respect him for who he is and and who he is not just as a man but in your family. And, And when she has her pink earphones on, she needs to hear that she's loved because her weakness, her vulnerability will be to feel as though she's unloved. And so we men need to go out of our way to show incredible love. And just to finish, I'd like to just take you back to that time where, where perhaps you were earlier on in your relationship and, and you could actually see that your wife or your husband or your partner was good. Remember that time where you looked at them and you thought, wow, aren't they a good person? In the midst of difficulties and fights and struggles and chaos, it can often come out, we can polarize, just like craziness that happens through elections, that polarizing kind of thing. But isn't it true that when you wind back the clock and go back to the beginning, we kind of look at our, our spouse, look at that relationship and say, he was good. She was good. She wanted my best. She wanted the best for me. And so can I encourage you in the midst of looking at relationships to recognize that that same person exists in your household. He is good at the depth of his core. He does want the best for this relationship and the best for you. She is 
good. She does want you to succeed. She does want to respect you, but she just needs to work through some things. I think if we look at relationships and we have this mindset of positivity to say, oh, actually, in the depths of who they are, they are good and they want the best for me, that sets us on a far better footing for being able to work through the differences we have within our genders. If we actually think, even though it seems crazy that she would give me another marriage book, or even though it seems crazy that he would give me a dieting book, what is he, insane? Did he not think? Has he not done you know, marriage 101? Like, come on, guys. Even though we mess up, if we believe right at the core that our partner is good and wants the best for us, then there'll be hope in any argument and situation. There'll be hope because that person ultimately wants to be in a good place in your relationship. You just need to work out how to get there. And thankfully, it's not just this week, but next week and the week after, you'll be able to hear a lot more about how God wants us to live in relationship with each other and also with Him. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we do ask that you might speak into our hearts through our relationships. And we pray that this series, these next few weeks, might be opportunities for us to grow in the way that we love our spouse and show respect to them. Lord, you are the one who has designed and created us. And we're thankful for that, Lord. We're thankful for these differences, even though it can cause so much conflict. Lord, we are thankful deeply that you are the one who designed and created us. And so we pray, Lord, that you might speak into our hearts. Help us to see the times where we've been disrespectful or unloving. Help that to be highlighted in our minds right now so that when we go and continue these relationships, we might be able to seek healing in the midst of them. May this series be a catalyst for change, for the better. And Lord, may we see marriages flourish within Christian communities, that we might be the ones who hold things together. Lord, when the world is falling apart, may we be like a light in the darkness. May the relationships we have with you be strengthened. And as our life, our relationship with you grows, Lord, we pray horizontally that you would help us to grow to love and respect those who are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.